This morning we're going to finish in our series about the end of Joseph's story. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 46. The title of the message this morning is also the title of the series, For His People. For His People. Genesis chapter 46. If you don't know where the book of Genesis is, it's that first book. Good starting place is page one. If you would please stand to your feet for the reading of God's word. Genesis 46. I'm going to read two verses, but we're going to cover a lot today, so hopefully you guys don't have lunch plans. Genesis chapter 46, starting in verse 3. Word of the Lord says this, I am God, the God of your father. He said, do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for I will make you into a great nation there. I will go down to Egypt with you, and I will surely bring you back again, and Joseph's own hand will close your eyes. Father, thank you for today. God, thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy. Thank you that you're so good to us. And Father, I pray, Lord, that your hand would just be with us today. Lord, that you would be moving God, it would not be my words spoken, but yours spoken through me. Father, let those who have ears, let them hear the declaration of your word this morning. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So like I said, we're wrapping up the story of Joseph. This is, we've been in this four-week series in the end of Joseph's story. We talked about Joseph's two children, Ephraim and Manasseh. We talked about uh, we talked about what it means for Joseph to be called a new name, and he, he was given an identity he was never really supposed to have. And now, this morning, I want us to really answer a question that is really a question that we should always ask when reading the Bible. We should always be asking when we read stories, what's the point? Why is this so important? Why, why is this story in here? God, God was working not just in these individuals. He was working mightily in these individuals. But why specifically did God in his wisdom and power choose these stories to be forever canonized in Scripture? Why in the world did God choose the story of Joseph? What's the point? In this way, again, we must ask this question. Why did Joseph go through all that he did? Why is there 20-some chapters in the book of Genesis dedicated to the story of Joseph? Why is it? Why is it so important? And sometimes we can sit there and, and think, or maybe whenever we were growing up, and maybe it was kids' Sunday school or something, we we learned that Joseph was really just an anecdotal story about what it means to be faithful to God and God would honor you and elevate you to different positions. And that's really the, the point of Joseph. But I, I would simply submit to you today that that is not the point of the story of Joseph. The story of Joseph is so much more, is so much deeper than just, if you just honor God, then he'll honor you. If you just honor God, then you'll be elevated. Because in some ways, that message is actually more selfish than anything. If we would just focus on God, I'll become second in command of all of Egypt. That's not the point of the story. 
The reason for Joseph's hardship was really, and most simply put, it was simply to save God's people. The reason why Moses, Moses, the reason why Joseph went through what he went through was in order for God to save his people. The reason why Joseph went through slavery, was, was sold, was betrayed, was imprisoned, was in order for him to be used by God to save God's people. That's the reason. So in this passage, we see that Jacob and his family, he's, they're traveling to Egypt after Joseph has revealed himself to his brothers. I'm not going to necessarily go into every single thing uh, that has happened before this. I would, I would really encourage you in your own time this week to read through the story of Joseph. I know I said that at the very beginning of this series, so you probably read through the story of Joseph at least three times. And so you can read it again and, 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 and be able to know kind of what's going on. But essentially, that the house of Jacob had, had fallen on some hard times. The, the famine that was going on in Egypt didn't just affect Egypt, it affected even Canaan. It, effect, it affected all of the area around it. In some places, that it's believed that it was kind of like a worldwide famine at the time. It was a huge famine that was going on. It affected not just the Egyptians, but so many other places around it, including Joseph's family, the house of Jacob. So Joseph's brothers, they come to Egypt and they ask, can you help us? Can we buy grain from you? Can you help save us? Because we're going to die. And, and, and through a turn of events, the challenge of character that Joseph gave them and, and different things on that end, Joseph reveals himself to his brothers. And then from there, Joseph sends his brothers back to get Jacob, who's now an old man, and bring his entire family, all of his belongings, bring Come and bring the entire family back to Egypt. And so he sends his brothers back, including Judah, who has is, who is now kind of asserted himself as the leader of the 12 uh, brothers. And, and in this moment and in this time, we see that Jacob is coming back. He learns of, of his son being alive, and so he comes back, but he's still not necessarily sure that he should go to Egypt. And so as he's traveling, the Lord tells Jacob in, that, in the passage that we read that I'm God, the God of your father. Don't be afraid to go down to Egypt because I'll make you a great nation there and I'm going to bring you back. And not just am I going to bring you back, I'm going to bring you back as a great nation. And when you die, Joseph is the one that is going to close your eyes. You'll be reunited to your favorite son. And so there's this, this moment that this happens and, and all of this takes place and we see that the whole reason for the story of the Bible is so that the house of Jacob would live. The whole point of the Joseph story was for, and, and I understand that there are other points and there's other things that we can glean from the story of Joseph. But the main point of the story of Joseph is how God saved his people. See, sometimes we can get so caught up in the, the trees that we miss the forest. Sometimes we get so caught up that we forget that, that the Bible is one whole story. 
Sometimes we forget that, you know, we like to put ourselves right next to Joseph the whole time. You know, like we're sitting in jail with him. You know, we're like, we're like, run from Potiphar's wife, Joseph, get out of here, right? We're, we're the ones that are, that are there, the, the spectators of this. And, and sometimes we, because we're so focused in on the story that's happening now, we miss the bigger picture story of what God is doing. And in that moment, in this moment, we see that God is doing all of these things in order to save his people. Really, the entire story of Joseph can be encapsulated in a single verse, Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. We all know this, right? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. The point of Joseph's story was the salvation of God's people. In our lives, we oftentimes go through a difficult season. We end up asking God, why? God, why is this happening to me? Why am I doing it? God, I'm following you. I'm all in for you. Why in the world am I going through such hardship? Why in the world is it so hard? Why in the world am I experiencing such pain? The question that I have for us today is, what if the difficult seasons we go through are just moments for God to save? What if the hard time you're going through right now is being redeemed for the redemption of both you and also the salvation of others? What if in our lives the, the intention of the enemy is meant for evil, to harm us, to hurt us, but in reality God redeems it for good, for the salvation of many? What if? What if in asking God why, his simple response is, so that I can save? See, oftentimes we look at hardships. We, we think that because we're Christians, life is easy. We think that as soon as we pray the prayer and Jesus comes into our lives and we start our relationship with him, everything is unicorns and rainbows. And yet, the reality is, is that seldom is the case. But Jesus doesn't provide an easy life, but he does provide a better one. And what if we would really encapsulate what, we would really live by what James says in James chapter 1, to consider it pure joy when we face trials. If we truly understood that maybe the reason why we're going through hardships, and, and granted, there are some hardships we go through because we're just dumb. Like, I love you. Putting yourself in those stupid positions is not a good idea. You know who I'm talking about. But in some ways, we're going through hardships, and, and the hardships that we go through aren't necessarily self-inflicted hardships. They're just hardships because suffering is normal. It's, it's life. But 
But what if all of that suffering, God was redeeming it to save someone? Would that change the way you looked at suffering? Would that change the way you looked at your present circumstance, the present season of hardship and hurt and pain you're going through right now? What if God is using that hardship, that pain, all of that stuff? What if God is trying to use that to redeem and to save someone? Would you gladly take that cup and that mantle at that point? If it meant someone else gets to spend eternity in heaven? When I think about this idea, I... I, I see this reality within our lives, and I think of the apostles. I think of Peter the apostle who was beaten for for preaching the gospel in Acts chapter 3. He heals a lame man, and and he, he ends up getting, he preaches the gospel, ends up getting arrested, and then beaten, and then released, and what do they do? They keep preaching the gospel because they can't stop. This is Peter and John together. He's in prison for preaching the gospel. And God saves him. What does he do? Keeps preaching the gospel. Why? Because what's happening to him, he realizes this is just a temporary thing so more people can be saved. I think of the apostle John, the beloved disciple. was beaten, imprisoned, even to the point of he was boiled in oil and they, he still lived. They're like, we can't kill this guy, so we're going to go maroon him on an island. And that's where the book of Revelation was written. He's still preaching the gospel so more can be saved. I think of the apostle Paul, beaten, imprisoned, shipwrecked, bitten by poisonous snakes, Ran out of town. At one point, he was stoned. He was, he was taken out of town. I think this was in Lystra. He was taken out of town. He was stoned. And they thought he, they'd kill him. They killed him. And so they left. But he wasn't dead. He was almost dead. As Miracle Max would say, mostly dead. Right? And what did he do? He stood up, brushed himself off walked right back into the city and preached the gospel. What if, brothers and sisters, what you are going through right now is being used for the salvation of others? What if the point of all of this pain was for God to save? Isn't that what Jesus came to do? Luke chapter 19, right? The Son of Man has come to seek and save the lost. What if? What if the point of your pain of seeing a child turn away from God and run from Him? What if the point of that pain was so that you would pray and pray and pray and pray and pray? And you would keep praying and persistently pray. And you would keep going after God and you would keep asking God, Lord, continue to hunt them down. And, and what if the point of all of that pain, all of that groaning was that God would finally get a hold of their hearts forever? Not just a, not just a I was raised in church kind of 
faith, but a faith that completely rocks their world or they're completely changed forever. What if all of that pain that you're going through with family members that have turned away from God, what if God wants to take all of that pain and redeem it to save? What if God wants to take all that pain, that frustration that you have at work? Tired, annoyed, there's just that one guy that sits in the cubicle across from you. Just that one client. What if all of that frustration, all of that pain, what if the reason why God hasn't called you on to another place is because he's sticking you right there and through that pain, you'll see people saved? What if? What if, what if God wants to save your neighbors, even the ones you don't like? What if you don't like where you live, you don't like the neighborhood, you don't like the way that they fill in the blank? They mow their yard completely different than you mow yours, and so therefore... Or one small little branch of, of their tree is over in your yard. Or better yet, some of your leaves from your tree got into their yard. And so they want to make sure you, you know about it. What if all that frustration and pain was so that they could be saved? Don't you see how God works? God is not in the business of giving us easy lives. God is in the business of saving people. And if that means that we have to endure hardship in order for another person to be saved, praise God, I consider it pure joy. Romans 8.28 we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Even in the hardship, God's making it work, not just for the salvation of others, but for your good as well. The fact of the matter is, is in order for us to be agents of redemption, in order for us to see a city saved, a neighborhood saved, a family member saved. We must be willing to sacrifice. We must be willing to go through hardship. As painful as it may be, we must be okay with it. I think of the three Hebrew brothers or Hebrew boys that would not bow to the golden statue of Nebuchadnezzar. I think of them saying, we will serve God always. And even if you throw us into the fire, we know that God will save us. And even if he doesn't, we're still going to worship him. And never you. Even if it gets really bad. Even if we're thrown into the fire. Lord, we'll still pursue you. Because we know that you're going to save. What happens in that story? Three of them get thrown in, four of them are there. 
an entire nation is saved because of hardship. You know what happens in the book of Acts when, when Saul begins to ravage the church? When the church faces such great persecution? The church grows. Because through all of the attacks of the enemy, all of the hurt, all of the pain, all of the anger, all of the angst, all of those things, God is redeeming. All those things that were meant to harm us, God is redeeming that for the salvation of many. Maureen, you can come. To be an agent of redemption is to be someone who is willing to sacrifice. speak this today, and I know that it's December, and we're supposed to have Christmas sermons now, right? I can't think of anything more Christocentric than the understanding that Jesus went through hardship. And the cup of wrath was, of God was poured out upon him so that we could be saved. here this morning simply just to encourage you. I want this to be encouraging. I do my best sometimes, but it comes out wrong. Don't grow weary. Take heart. Consider it pure joy. The salvation is coming. Those family members will be saved. neighbors will be saved co-workers will be saved there's salvation coming don't pray that the Lord would take you out of the pain pray that the Lord would redeem the pain to save many when I look back at my life I can't help but be thankful, not just for what God has done, but I can't help but be thankful for, for those who sacrificed for me. Think of men like Joey Banks who opened up his, he, he was just a, a college student and he was a, an intern when I was a student. And he opened up his one bedroom apartment, him and his wife opened up their one bedroom apartment when my dad was on a bender so that I could spend the night there. They sacrifice their time, their place. They could be doing anything else on a Friday night, and yet they're taking care of this kid. Think of people like Pastor Chris Davis and Pastor Kendall Alfaro, two individuals that, man, I was an angry college student. I wanted to be right, and I wanted everybody else to know that I was. I thank God that they didn't just Wow, this guy's, this kid's too annoying. This kid, man, he doesn't have a bone of grace in his body. I thank God that they sacrificed their time to spend time with me, to pour into me. Thank God for people like my, even my own mother. who as a single mom would bring the three of us to church 
my father wouldn't go. The time and the hardship when it would be easier just to stay home. Like, I was pretty easy getting out of bed, but my brother and sister, they weren't, so I'm just... I thank God for people that sacrificed their time. How much pain it would have caused them. How much, how much hospitality they had to have. In order for me to experience Jesus. The fact of the matter is, is that every single one of our stories... They're full of people sacrificing so that we can be redeemed. Whether it's a neighborhood Bible study that you got saved in, whether it's, you know, whether, whether it's up front at an altar somewhere. You, you know how many people pray for, you know, even you being here today. You know how much sacrifice and prayer was had for you to be sitting in the seat that you're in right now? So that you could experience Jesus. Finish with this story and we'll pray. Many of you have heard this story before. Many of our stories, again, were full of people sacrificing so that we can be redeemed and I think at some point in time, we have to sit there and say, okay, now I'm going to start sacrificing for someone else's redemption. For someone else to be saved. My grandfather passed away 10 years ago. Pancreatic cancer. The Lord was gracious enough. They gave him six months to live. He lived for 18 You've heard me say this before because I, I oftentimes lean on this story because I, I think that it's, it, it's one that really has helped me in my faith. Why bad things happen to good people. My grandfather was a deacon at his church. He loved the Lord. He loved the house of God. My grandfather and grandmother, they would sacrifice their their time on thanksgivings to go and deliver thanksgiving meals and, and they just they were servants and so the question asked is why god would you let this man of god die in such a horrible way wasting away on a couch not able to do anything And it wasn't until after he went home that I realized there were two individuals that came to know the Lord because of what he was going through. They would come almost every day and visit him, sit down and talk, and they got serious about serving Jesus. We don't know the big picture. The 
big picture is simply that God wants to save as many as he can. And what we're going through, you may not, you may be looking at what you're doing and what you're going through and all of these things and you just see the trees. But I want to encourage you, take a step back and believe that there's a forest. Believe that God's using all of that pain, all of that hurt to redeem and save. Don't stop praying. Hear me. Don't stop praying for that family member. Don't stop serving. Don't stop going after it. Don't stop pointing them to Jesus every single time you, you get. Because you never know that one time, after, after hundreds of times of pointing them to Christ and them rejecting it, you never know that final moment. You point to Jesus and they're like, ah, mom, not again. Instead of that response, it's, you're right. I need Jesus. What if everything we're going through, the hardships, the pain, What if God is using that and redeeming that to save many? Let's pray. Father.